Hey, welcome to episode 81 of the Hockey Free For All podcast. I am your host, Steven Stiles, and it's hard to believe we're already back with another episode. So let's start doing what I like to do towards the end of years and kind of do some wrap-up and where things stand type episodes. And of course, we're going to center on Montreal with this. Who stays and who goes in Montreal? That seems to be a really interesting question right now as to trade deadline, as to the status of players, the status of the rebuild. So let's start there. Who stays and who goes? Starting with the players, I think, as far as who goes, I think Montreal has a lot more to offer at the trade deadline than a lot of other people do. A lot of people apparently think Montreal has maybe a few B-level, bottom six options to be able to offer? I don't think so. I think the question of value versus the players that Montreal has to trade comes down to leveraging. What Kent Hughes wants, what a team needs, how that player can benefit that team, does that player benefit that team, and can trades be kind of steered towards situations that will be the greatest benefit to Montreal for them to receive the greatest amount of returns. Such as Josh Anderson. Josh Anderson's come alive. I know Josh Anderson has taken a lot of heat this year and a lot of people are like, oh my God, is this guy ever going to score? That's finally happened for him and he seems to be on a run of scoring right now, which is great for him. But I think to the right team, Anderson could land Montreal a first round pick. Now, the disappointing part about trading Anderson now is I think Montreal again unfortunately missed the greatest opportunity for the greatest return by not trading him last year unfortunately I think there was a lot more teams were willing to offer I think for example last year I think Montreal could have traded him to the Flyers straight up which would have landed them the seventh overall pick in the draft whether they can land that high of a pick in the first round with him this year remains to be seen but i think to the right team they can still get a first round pick for him unfortunately this year i think it might be 15th or higher but they can still land a first round pick for josh anderson to the right team whether that is still sending him to the flyers who by the way are doing much better this year than they did last year or to someone else i think his trade value is still worthy of a first round pick to the right team that is looking for his specific skill set or for him to fill a specific role. After that, you have two players that could fill defensive center roles in Christian Dvorak and Jake Evans. Christian Dvorak first, he's had a really quiet year. At this point, I would have loved to see Christian Dvorak be able to garner a first round pick in return. I don't see that happening, even if it's to the best team in the league and it got Montreal the 32nd pick over in the first round. I don't think that's going to happen. A second round pick, though, is a viable option for a good, higher faceoff percentage winning third line defensive center. That, I think, is obtainable. And again, worth more to Montreal right now than honestly the player is. Though in Dvorak's return to the lineup this year, has he provided some stability? Has he kind of calmed down, if you will, or has been a calming influence on players? Yes, but that is not the value that Montreal needs from him, but he may be a solid third-line defensive center pickup to a legitimate playoff contender who will either push that team further into the playoffs or may push them over the top, depending on the team that's picking them up. 
up. So I think there's a legitimate second round pick option there. In Jake Evans, again, a really good team player, really good in the locker room, gives his all every game, has improved in a lot of areas this season. But again, Montreal, in another topic we're going to talk about, has a lot of prospects coming. Suddenly is no longer a team that doesn't have depth at center, has a lot of it. So he honestly is expendable. I mean, yes, he's elevated his play, being on lines with certain players. Yes, he's a good defensive center. Yes, he's an excellent fourth line center. But Montreal has always had a lot of depth in those positions on those lines. And where Dvorak might have been previously worth a first round pick and is now a second round pick, Keep in mind, Jake Evans was a seventh-round pick in 2014. He might be able to net you a third-round pick 2024. That's a heck of an increase in value. That would be an excellent trade for Montreal. So that's three players so far. Now, unfortunately, a contract that Montreal, I'm sure, would love to move, one could say it's the old elephant in the room or the albatross in the room, is Brendan Gallagher's contract. That would be, I think, the trickiest contract out of all and maybe even harder to move than Carey Price's contract would be to move. I honestly think there's a very little chance of it. However, if you're Montreal and you were willing to say eat his contract dollar-wise this year only in the trade as part of the trade, and then the rest of the contract falls on the acquiring team, that might be something that helps move that contract because Gallagher is worth to a legitimate contender who wants a veteran presence, a player that leaves it all on the table and nothing to question about, that is Brendan Gallagher in a nutshell. But Montreal, I think, to move him would have to at least eat his contract this season. Now, what that translates into what they get for him, I would have to think almost Montreal would be willing to be happy with anything from a third-round pick or higher for him. And if you're willing to eat that contract, I think that gets you at least a third round, maybe a second round. Now, the next two players I'm going to mention, one, people will, yeah, let's get rid of this guy. The other one, people are like, oh, no, 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 he's really good. Joel Armia and Rafael Harvey Pernard. Unfortunately, both have really run into situations that just are not going to help them. Joel Armia, he's got to be the definition of Mr. Inconsistent. He'll have games where he'll score two goals and have three points or something. You're like, wow, this guy's really good. And then he's gone. He's, he's a ghost. He's disappeared for like half a season or something. Rafael Harvey Pernard, unfortunately, almost had too good of a year last year. Because with the year that he had last year, everybody automatically said, oh, well, he's going to be a 30-goal scorer in the lineup this year. The problem is Montreal has so many prospects and so much talent that he's not getting to play consistently. And a player like Rafael Harvey Pernard needs to know he's playing, needs to know the minutes he's playing, preferably would like to play with consistent line mates, although that's not always possible due to injuries and a variety of other reasons. But that helps him become the player that can maximize his ability Abilities to be the greatest value to the team. And unfortunately, the situations just haven't been right for him this year, including now, of course, that he's injured as well. I think, unfortunately, his time in Montreal is going to be very short. With all the prospects that Montreal has, I just don't see a roster spot remaining for him. So in the cases of Joel Armia and Rafael Harvey-Pinard, if you can get at least a mid-round pick, Probably in the case of Joel Armia, somebody wouldn't give you more than a seventh-round pick for him. But again, you're getting contracts off the books. You're making places for other prospects available to them. 
Tanner Pearson is another one that up until the point of his injury, I think was playing his way right into a good second round pick value as a trade asset. Unfortunately, he's gotten injured. Depending on how long he's going to be gone and then how much time there is remaining from the time he returns to the trade deadline, let's just hope he gets back to that level of play where he can net Montreal a second round pick for a playoff team that's looking for a specific roster player to fill a need on their team and of course i would be remiss if i didn't mention sean monahan sean monahan is probably the most talked about person he's a jack of all trades player and that kind of versatility as well as team leader and the way that he can provide calmness wisdom and experience to other players is invaluable to the right team he is like josh anderson worthy of a first round pick compensation that montreal could get in return for him or even more so there's a lot of talent that montreal could receive in the form of assets and draft capital for a lot of players on the team and that's just the offense now let's talk about the defense defensively you have a really interesting situation because you have a couple of veterans in Mike Matheson and David Savard that are minute munching machines that can eat up a lot of minutes take the pressure off the younger guys they don't have to play as much they aren't being put in situations that they're not going to do well in they're not overly tired and running out of energy that's invaluable when you're bringing up a young team but the problem with that is that you now have Caden Gooley you now have Arbor Jackeye you now have Jaden Struble you now have Justin Baran you now have Jonathan Kovacetic you got a lot of players fighting for roster spots so in the case of the defense David Savard and Mike Matheson. Mike Matheson would definitely be worth first round and more compensation as he's an excellent fluid skater, great transition game, has a great shot, is a point-producing defenseman, is very transitional, which is very common, very needed, and very much a part of today's game. His demand should be extremely high. That being said, local kid who Kent Hughes really, really liked, was his agent for for a while, has followed him his whole junior career from then right through now through his time in Florida and Pittsburgh included, and really wanted him on the team. So I don't know how inclined Kent Hughes is to trade Mike Matheson. It would have to be a I can't refuse type offer, I think, for him to move Mike Matheson. I think Mike Matheson has too much value, not only to the younger players in Montreal, but I think the management loves him. Now, not that they don't love David Savard, but David Savard has one year left on his contract. It's a lower contract than Mike Matheson's is. Mike Matheson's is $4.8 million. David Savard's is $3.5 million. Mike Matheson has two years left on his contract. David Savard has one. So it's a little bit easier to manipulate, if you will, or integrate within your cap system. Doesn't count against you as long if you're the acquiring team. David Savard, like Mike Matheson, can eat up a ton of minutes. A very calming influence to whoever plays along with him. Like Mike Matheson, has a Stanley Cup pedigree to him as well. So he's a champion. Great locker room presence. So he also has a really high value. Whether he could get you a first round pick overall, that would have to be to the right team 
but you're also now at that point talking about a really strong contending team so you're probably if it is a first round pick looking at something like the 26th to 32nd pick in the first round if that's a possibility now of course in the world of trades the biggest trade position that people have talked about all seasons and and just can't kind of let go of is goaltending and again could they trade primo or montembeau they could but montembeau is 27 primo's 24 and in the current position of the team that serves the team well having two goaltenders in their mid-20s that means they've got a couple of years that means they're younger they haven't seen as much action or rubber if you will as some of the veteran goaltenders have that would be to the team's benefit to keep them as the two goaltenders Unfortunately, that means the odd man out is Jake Allen. And again, Jake Allen is the ultimate team guy, like David Savard, has Stanley Cup pedigree, great locker room presence, provides an experience and calm to the team. But unfortunately, age and injury almost speak louder than all of those great assets do as far as Montreal is concerned. And he can be a solid 1B. He can step in on any given night and give you starting goaltending quality and potential. He can be a quality backup, or he can be the guy that your starter gets hurt and suddenly you need somebody to start five to 10 games. He can do that as well. So that's a very, very hot commodity for a contending team. And he might be able to land you at least a third and possibly even a second round pick as well. So that's a lot of players and a lot of potential draft capital for the Montreal Canadiens to capitalize on this trading season as it approaches and the calendar year comes to a conclusion. Now, let's just hypothetically say those players are moved. Who's that leave you with moving forward? Cole Caulfield, Kirby Doc, Emil Heineman would be another one. Alex Newhook, Uri Slavkowski, Jesse Yolanin is a wild card. He could turn out to be a really, really good diamond in the rough. Genuine third line, even better than a third line player. It just depends if he ever really gets the shot play. But you would still have all of those forwards, who, by the way, are already on the team. Then defensively, that still leaves you with Justin Baran, Caden Gooley, Jordan Harris, Jonathan Kovacevic, Arbor Jackye, Gustav Lindstrom, Jaden Struble. So you still have a full defense and a pretty full roster. And in goal, of course, that leaves you Sam Montembeau and Caden Primo. So it's not like you're suddenly going, holy cow, I don't have enough players. That still leaves you a lot of players. And Mitchell Stevens, since his call-up, has been a really solid addition on the bottom six half of the offensive roster to the Montreal Canadiens. Depending on how many of the players we talked about being traded got traded, you can still call up Leas Anderson once he's healed. You can still call up Lucas Condotta, Jared Davison, Xavier Simino. You still have players in Laval that can be called up. Not to mention you can give opportunities to Sean Farrell and Joshua Wah in non-pressure situations to showcase their skills and kind of ease them into the lineup if you want. Or let them continue to develop down in Laval. But you've got those options based on where the Canadians are in their development or rebuild, remodel, whatever term somebody wants to use now that doesn't offend somebody else. Now, that brings us to prospects still to come 
that are already in the Montreal system. And I'm going to go back to the 2020 draft. I'm not going to go back too far, but I'm going to go back a couple of drafts. Because in addition to Caden Gooley from the 2020 draft, who's already on the roster and made the team, you have a kid in Boston College this year who is having his best year and who's a big prototypical left winger is he a power forward i'm not going to hang that title on the kid until he has an actual opportunity rather than people that want to put undue pressure and unrealistic expectations on players but luke tuck 6'2", 209 pounds, having his best year, which is a senior year, in Boston College right now, is an excellent prospect. In addition to that, also in Caden Gooley's draft of 2020, you have Sean Farrow, who had a fantastic career at Harvard and is having a good, solid first year in Laval. He's another option for a prospect that is yet to be put in the lineup. Then as you go to 2021, of course you have Logan Mylou, who's going to be a solid right defenseman. Probably the most offensively right defenseman that they've had in a very long time. You have Riley Kidney, who I think is going to be one of those players who was stellar in the juniors. He's having a little bit of problem in the AHL. His game may transition better to the NHL than the AHL. Of course, from the 2021 draft, you also have Joshua Waugh and Xavier Simino. Everybody's excited about Joshua Waugh, who I think honestly is the legitimate long-term right winger for Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki. I'm sure a lot of people would say, oh, what about Uri Slavkowski? I think Uri Slavkowski's home is with Kirby Doc and Alex Newhook, which by the way, if you listen to what I just mentioned for lines, you have... Sean Farrell, Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, you have Alex Newhook, Kirby Doc, and Uri Slavkos. Guess what? That's six forwards right there. And your third line containing Owen Beck, which we'll talk about here as a prospect in a second, and Emil Heineman. There's your center and left wing to the third line of your top nine forward. Only leaving at this point, for a moment, the question of right wing, which one would have to wonder if Philip Massar is that right wing. So now in your top nine... If we include the 2022 draft, you've got Sean Farrell, Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield on a line. You have Alex Newhook, Kirby Doc, Yurav Slikowski on a line. You have Philip Massar, Owen Beck, and Emil Heineman on a line. Well, you only got 12 forward positions. That's nine of them right there. And that's a heck of a one, two, three line combination for any team. That is a lot of talent. And then honestly, for the 2023 draft, I think you already have your initial fourth line left wing in Florian Jacki. And he might surprise a lot of people and be better than a fourth line left winger. He might end up being good enough to be a third line or even better than that. It just depends on how he develops. And his development has taken a huge uptick this year. But from the 2022 draft, you have Slavkowski, you have Philip Massar, you have Owen Beck, you have everyone's exciting prospects, 62nd overall, also in Boston College this year, Lane Hudson, the defenseman. You've got a lot of talent coming. And then when you throw in 2023, there's some players there in particular that aren't or shouldn't be overlooked. Everybody, of course, knows David Reinbacher, Number one pick, fifth overall, right-handed defensive prospect. Jake Fowler, who at the moment is looking like a phenomenal draft pick who's playing his rookie season in Boston College or has been selected by the U.S. for their team and is the starting goaltender. You have Florian Jacki, who we've already talked about. You have Bogdan Kajikov, who was a very unknown. And people said, who? Who the heck is that guy? Named captain at 
19 in the Russian League, which is almost unheard of. Then I'm going to skip a couple of prospects and go to Evgeny Valakin, the goaltender. He's a virtually unknown Russian kid who has excelled at every level and I think is Jacob Fowler's biggest competition and I think makes Montreal very well set long term along with Fowler in goal. I think a lot of people are going to be surprised by this Russian kid. And European prospects, though a lot of them don't pan out in Montreal, the ones that do pan out really, really well. And for a reason that most people wouldn't think of, and it's because they've already been on a big stage and their home cities and countries just aren't affected the same way that a lot of North American prospects seem to be with the pressure of the media. They just kind of go, all right, yeah, ask me all the questions you want. I don't care. You don't like my answer? Too bad. They are just unaffected by it and unpressured by the media. And that is an invaluable asset to have in Montreal where the pressure can just be unbelievable and off the charts. So those are a lot of coming prospects. And I didn't mention everyone by far. But in the beginning of this season, a lot of people said, oh my God, where are we going to find a spot for every one of these prospects? The ones I skipped, I skipped for a reason because I mentioned who I think, and it's just who I think. I got nothing else to go on other than that. I think the prospects that I mentioned are all legitimate prospects that can make the Montreal roster and be a part of this team soon. The other players, some will undoubtedly surprise. Some people that didn't even expect to be even remotely have an option of making the team, they might or will. But I think the players that I specifically mentioned here are the as some people like to call them, the can't miss or the higher potentially to make the team prospects than the other ones. And with all those other prospects, hey, if you have to, deal from a position of strength. You're not the only team that's concerned about its future. Trade them away, gain more offensive assets or draft capital in general, and just keep replenishing the cabinets. And Montreal's got a great start to that. Montreal has a tremendously stacked amount of prospects right now. Some people will be on board and say, oh no, they got really good top-end talent. Other people will say, well, you know, they don't possess that game-changer. I think they have a lot of potential game-changers. Are they Connor McDavid's? Hey, game-changing players come in many different forms. And Connor McDavid doesn't grow on trees, okay? If they did, then everybody'd have one. And they wouldn't be so special. Connor McDavid is in a class by himself. I've always said. But I think out of all this, the biggest advantage that Montreal has going for them is their coach. I'm just going to wrap that up by saying, look at the job that Martin St. Louis has specifically done with Yuri Slavkovsky between last year, then he got injured, and this year. And look at the difference he's made with Kirby Doc, who couldn't quite find himself and get comfortable in Chicago. Now, I think when he comes back, as long as he comes back perfectly healthy and healed, will be the best player on the Canadians. And they will finally have their big six foot four, 200 pound plus healthy center that they've been looking for for nearly five decades. I really hope and wish that for Doc. I hope his recovery is going fantastically well because if he comes back totally healthy and ready, I think this 
offseason and the training camp was just a tease of what that guy's capable of. I think his talent is the highest of all ceilings on the Canadians roster. And it will be a steal that the Canadians picked him up in 2022 from Chicago. On that note, I'm your host, Stephen Stiles. Thank you so much for tuning into episode 81. We'll be back soon.